Michelle Tricona's trial entered its 25th day today with the prosecution calling its final witness, Gloria Farber, the mother of Jennifer Dulos, who has been caring for the new Canaan woman's five children since she disappeared in May of 2019. Farber was the prosecution's last witness after the state said Kent Mawinney, who was also charged with conspiracy to commit murder in the case, would not testify. The defense began to present its case today as well, with the judge saying that Fotos Dulos' farewell note will not be allowed as part of the evidence. Is it bad news for Michelle Traconis? I'm Collier Landry. Let's get into it. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial. In- when I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. I decided at an early age that our trauma should not be what defines us. It's what we choose to do with it that does. I'm here to share my unique perspective on true crime, mental health, society, and popular culture, albeit with a slight sense of humor. I'm Collier Landry, and welcome to my show. Mover Nation, <laughs> welcome wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thanks for making me a part of your day. Uh, I'm Collier Landry. This is the show where I give you my unique perspective on true crime, mental health, society, and culture, and albeit with a slight sense of humor. A few ground rules here. Remember, <laughs> I am not a psychologist. I am not a lawyer. I do not work in law enforcement. I am just a guy who has been through a lot of shit, as you have seen in the intro of today's show. And we have a lot to cover, a few housekeeping notes that I want to mention. Next Wednesday, a week from today, is my birthday. Just saying. February 28th. I will be doing a live show on that day as well. Cannot wait to see you all there. Uh, We will probably be going back to, and I apologize, we've had the last couple of days, we have had massive rainstorms in LA, and we had them three weeks prior. Uh, but they've been really, really bad, and uh, it has affected my internet. Put everything; it's, it's thrown my life into upheaval. And I'm sorry. And I thank God I don't live on the side of a hill, and you know, there's no mudslide threats. But it is a major. We're, Los Angeles is not built to have this much rain, straight up. And I know that other people live in other parts of the country, and they're like, "What is rain?" I grew up in Ohio. I know what rain is. But out here, it affects everything from the driving to the buildings to, you know, they cancel school because of rain out here. So uh, I just want to let you guys know. But um, uh, thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for joining again today. I greatly appreciate it. I'm excited. We are going to cover some Michelle Traconis stuff as her trial has, uh, you know, is coming to an end. Uh, looks like it'll probably... And it was supposed to end March the 2nd, March 1st, March 2nd, but it looks like it's going to be kicked out a little bit because the judge is going to allow this whole thing with this contempt of court situation that's going on with her because she, if you remember last week, she had her laptop open and had it open on a child, uh, I believe it was a child custody letter or something, a court document that she was not allowed to have. She had open and it was showing it to the gallery, not the jury, but the gallery. And it was one of... Uh, Jennifer Dulos's friends who had seen it and reported it to the court and said, look, she's got this document open about custody with kids. She shouldn't even have this document. Her lawyer has assured the court that he had nothing to do with it. He did not give her the document. He doesn't know how, how it was even a part of what was going on. So, um, yeah, ah, a lot, a lot, a lot to get into. Um, so, 
first of all, we have some new members. We have a new Patreon member, Mary Hathaway from Littleton, Colorado. Thank you for joining for the full year on Patreon at the mover level. Thank you so much for your contribution. All of your contributions help to keep this show, help do this show, keep the lights on. I appreciate it. Keep me dry, right? Uh, we also have three new YouTube members. Angela Blankenship joined our movers about four days ago. Uh, Deborah R.U. has also joined. The Deborah R.U. Thank you so much for joining at the mover level. And Football Mom, who rejoined a few days ago. Thank you all as well. By the way, this weekend, Sunday, the 25th, we have our live members only meet and greet. So there's Patreon supporters and YouTube members. And we have um, we have our uh, our live patron only meet and greet that we do right here. It, uh, it's 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 not on YouTube. We do it through Google Meets, and it allows us to all interact and see everybody. And it's really a fun time. All the channel members meet up. I suggest you know if you are a channel member, please look out for that. That will be at 3 p.m. Eastern time on Friday or sorry Sunday, February 25th. So please check it out. Make sure to look into the comments. We will all meet. It'll be great. Um, also just a heads up, uh, that we are starting a discord server for this channel. So if you're not a discord member, but you are a YouTube channel member or a Patreon supporter, you sign up for discord, you use the link to join the server and it'll automatically let you in at your membership level. We're starting up our AV club, which is going to be happening where we're going to watch actual live episodes, live movies. I will screen my documentary there. I've been wanting to do this for a while with you guys, but it's very difficult to do stuff with. Uh, YouTube because of copyright, etc. So we figured out a way to do it through Discord and we're going to be able to do these live watch parties together. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited about it because I've wanted to do this for a long time. But you guys need to join Discord to be able to do it. It's totally free. You're a member on the channel. You're a member on the Patreon. It will give you all the access you need. It'll also be a great place to interact with other channel members. Uh, you guys are often interacting in the chat, but it gives you another place offline where you guys can all interact as well. Should be super fun. I'm excited. And uh, it'll be a great way for all of us to communicate. Um, if you are not familiar with Discord, check it out. It's a great product. You don't have to pay anything for it. So, uh, Black Widow, thank you so much for the super sticker. I greatly appreciate it. Wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm glad you could join us too. It's really late where you're at. and uh, But hopefully you'll be able to join us for our live member meet and greet uh, this weekend because we try to we're trying to keep it in this... It's noon time for me here on the, in the on the Pacific side of the United States. So we're trying to keep it where we can, um, where all of our international friends can join. So I uh, hope you guys can make it. But thank you so much for the super sticker. I greatly appreciate it. So the prosecution rests its case in the Michelle Traconis trial. And now we are into the defense and I want to get into a little bit about what was discussed, give you guys a little bit of a background. So if you are not familiar with Michelle Traconis, uh, she is on trial right now for uh, conspiracy. So her actual charges are as follows. So she has second degree hindering prosecution tampering with physical evidence and conspiracy to commit murder in the death of Jennifer Dulos, whose body has never been found. Now she is accused 
uh, of being with Fotis Dulos, who was Jennifer Fotis, uh, sorry, Jennifer Dulos's estranged ex-husband. Uh, there was a lot of, there was a very bitter custody bab- battle uh, going on, and she is accused of helping him. Now, Fotis Dulos uh, took his own life, um, is that, if I can say that on YouTube, uh, decided to, to take his own life in, before he could ever stand trial, claiming, and we will read his letter that he left for all of us, uh, because the defense wanted to admit this letter because he basically exonerates uh, Mich- <laughs> Michelle Traconis of any wrongdoing. So wouldn't that be nice if the, if the prosecution and the police department decided, you know what, yeah, he wrote a letter, she's fine. World, unfortunately, doesn't work that way. Um, but, uh, you know, she was seen while they believed that Fotis Dulos was disposing of evidence along Albany Avenue in Hartford, uh, Hartford, Connecticut, along this main drag, Albany Avenue, where he was seen placing plastic bags and garbage bags into different trash receptacles along, along Albany Avenue. And that raised, obviously, suspicions. And, you know, whether or not you think, I mean, I go back and forth a lot with this particular trial because there's so much that, it, you know, I've said it before. I said it kind of feels like a, a trial by proxy because they don't have Fotis Dulos to stand trial. And everyone pretty much knows that he's the one who perpetrated all of this. He seemed to create a lot of confusion, be very manipulative to everyone involved. Even this Kent Mawinney, who was one of his associates, who is now also facing charges right after this trial ends, he will go to trial. Uh, he's gotten all these people wrapped up, including one of his Greek friends, who he had call him on the morning after uh, Mich- uh, Jennifer Dulos went missing and used that phone call as an alibi and essentially used his friend. This man has wrapped so many people up into his bullshit uh, that reminds me a lot of my father's trial. <laughs> This creation of alibis, this creation of, um, of uh, you know, just ways that they've been spinning the facts. You know, uh, he he has done a really, really, uh, a really big number on those that uh, are affected. Obviously, the biggest number that he, uh, the the biggest number that he's done is on his own children, who are now in the care of his former mother-in-law. And Deborah Farber took the stand today. And I am going to play a little bit of her her testimony. If I can find the right document. (laughs) Sorry, Gloria Farber. I don't know why I said Deborah Farber. Oh, it's been a week. Let me tell you what. We are also getting into some words of the day as well. Uh, But yeah, I want to play her testimony first because it was a big deal uh obviously when you hear from the mother of the victim even if the victim hasn't been found it is a big deal to bring that person into the courtroom and i think that the state was hoping to have uh as i said uh, kent mawinney testify as well but that didn't happen probably because he was going to take the fifth amendment and not incriminate himself which sounds like a smart idea to me Um, so we'll see how all that plays out because again, he is going to be facing trial. Yes. Black Eagle smash that like button mofos. Thank you so much. Black Eagle. I appreciate it. (laughs) 
we like that. Smash that like button, please, please, please. Um, let me pull up this. We'll go through her testimony. We'll we'll see what she has to say. My dog is downstairs being just a a little shit. Little Marisol. Marisol. She's like, oh, daddy, you're on your live. I'm going to make a bunch of noise. Um, okay. All right. This is. Please raise your right hand. Mrs. Farber, if you wouldn't mind taking a look at the clerk. Hello, Thank you. Raise your right hand, please. Do you solemnly Hello, girl, welcome. Sarah Holman, welcome. Tina Luffman, the party is here. Welcome. Black Widow, thank you again so much. Maui Swift, thank you. Otis exonerated himself too. Yes, he did. Deborah Rudolph, thank you so much for joining. On the outskirts, happy early birthday to you as well. You are the day after me on the 29th. While she swears herself in, we will talk over this. Kathleen Kanick, thank you so much from Mansfield, Ohio. Illegally Red, thank you so much for joining. Karen Fan, thank you Barbara, for you being here. Seated. Danielle Tamaro. And yes, Marisol is a diva. Tina Luffman, absolutely. Principessa. So this is Gloria Farber. Good morning, Mrs. Farber. How are Good you? Good morning. Fine, thank you. Uh, Mrs. Farber, uh, may I call you Gloria? Yes, please. Okay, thank you. Uh, Gloria, how are you related to Jennifer Farber? Do she was my daughter. Okay. How old are you, Gloria, if you don't mind my asking? 88. Okay. See, okay, so I'm going to just stop you right there. First of all, I'm going to comment on a couple of things. One, her scar, her outfit is fabulous, but she's a New Yorker. They obviously come from money. She knows how to put herself together. She looks fabulous. I'm just going to say that. I mean, this is it. And she's 88. 88 on the stand, caring for these two kids, or sorry, these five kids, my bad. Five kids. Obviously, the nanny is still involved in their lives as well, so that's great. Yeah, she looks fabulous, right, guys? Like, we should all be so lucky. I, you know, I tell you guys some of my boxing stories at the gym sometimes where I box with guys who are like 80 years old and they're like walking around. The guy's got a shirt that says 80 is the new 20. And I'm, I'm very fascinated as I, I progress into another year. <laughs> as of next Wednesday, I enter a new year of my life. I think about that stuff a lot, like how you take care of yourself and how we are all so lucky to be able to be walking around and how just uh, uh, health and science is just a miracle to me. I'm into all of it. I think it's fascinating. I should do a YouTube channel about that because I really have a massive interest in in health and wellness. Um, absolutely. But yes, yeah, the scarf, the cashmere blue. I love it. I mean, she looks fabulous. Cat loves cat skills. Thank you so much for the uh, super sticker. Let's hear from Gloria Farber. And... Uh, where do you live? I live in New York City. When was uh, your daughter's Jennifer Farber? Yes. Okay, when was Jennifer born? She was born September 27th, 1968. How many children did Jennifer have? Five. Wait, did she say September 27th? Because that would be a day before my mother's birthday. My mother was born on September 28th. I think that's what she said. And what are their names? Uh, Petros, Theodore, oh. Christian, Constantine, and Noel. How old was Jennifer? I'd also May like to think that my mother would look this good at that age. <laughs> now, in the time before May 24th, 
2019. Did you see your daughter often? Yes. Did you speak to her often? Yes. Did you see your grandchildren often? Yes. Aww. Now, on May 24th of 2019, did you have plans to see Jennifer? Yes, I did. What were those plans? Well, she was going to meet us at my apartment. Is that in the city? In the city, in New York City. And were the children coming as well? Yes, they were. And did the children show up at your apartment that day? Yes, they did. Who brought them? Um, Lauren Almeida. Now, was Jennifer supposed to come to your apartment to meet you and the children there? Yes. Did Jennifer show up at your apartment that day? No. So, obviously, she didn't show up at the apartment because she disappeared into thin air. <laughs> it's a miracle. She just vanished. Um, obviously, we all know, and I'm making light of it, but we all know, we, we believe we know what happened to her, which really sucks. Again, uh, I'm going to get into the letter, the death letter that uh, Fotis Doulos, that the defense was trying to uh, bring into evidence in the trial. Um, but yeah, this woman, I mean... Again, bring her into court. And so as a victim, as someone who is a survivor, who is someone who witnessed a murder happen, you know, bringing somebody like this in who is very well composed, uh, this is a great thing for, um, <laughs> for a prosecution. If they are trying to ring true with the, if they are trying to send a message to the jury, uh, this is a great way to do it. Um, Maui Swift, thank you so much for joining um, for joining Mover Nation. Mover Nation welcomes you. Congratulations, and please, I hope you join the Discord server and you join us on Sunday. Have you seen your daughter Jennifer since she failed to meet you at your apartment in New York City on May 24th, 2019? No. Have you spoken to her on the phone since that no, day? No, I have not. Have you gotten any emails or text messages or any communication from your daughter since that night? No. I'm sorry, you have to speak up. Before. No. Okay, thank you. And uh, you think you adjust her microphone? Uh, when was the oldest one born? Uh, April twentieth, um, two thousand and six. So By four minutes, because two they're twins. So oh. the oldest one Aww. is Petros. So there's four minutes apart between so, Petros and Theodore. So the oldest by four minutes? Yes. Okay. In 2006? Yes. Between 2006 and 2019, did Jennifer ever miss one of her children's birthdays? Never. And, uh, and the children celebrate their name days, right, under the Greek culture? Yes, they did. Did Jennifer ever miss a name day between 2006 and 2019? Yes. Was she always there for them? Pardon? Was Jennifer always there for them? Yes, she was always there. And uh, as of now, uh, 2024, do you have custody of the five children? I do. Oh. And since May 24th, uh, 2019, have any of the children ever seen or spoken to their mother? No. I have nothing further. Thank you. You are. So, okay. Obviously not ri riveting testimony other than the fact that she has not heard from her daughter 
since the day she disappeared and since what we all believe is the day that Fotis Doulos took his took the life of his wife in the garage of their home uh of her home and um yeah terrible 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 and of course he's not here to answer for any of his bullshit that he's put everyone through again uh reminds me a lot of my father uh even though my father did not take his life uh um my father dragged everyone including my grandmother who at the time was in her late mid to late 70s who was also dressed who's also had a great sense of style like this lovely woman uh gloria farber and who literally i remember showed up into court because she couldn't get in the witness box she showed up in a wheelchair which was a total act by the way <laughs> my grandmother was very uh could move around it was very coherent and and just was in very good health uh you know she had hurt her hip but at the time the the wheelchair was more of a more of a an act and i don't know if it was an act on my father or what because um you know she was there the night my mother was murdered but um to make my father feel guilty like you drug your poor mother out here because of your of your just your bullshit so anyways uh the defense is gonna is going to question her now Good morning, Mrs. Farber. Good morning. I just have a few questions for you, if I may. Can you hear me okay? I do. Was um, Jennifer's plan to come to New York by herself or with the children? By herself, because she dropped the children off at the New Canaan Country Day School. And the children uh, did come with Lauren to New York that day to, yes. to your apartment? Yes. Were they there at about 12 or 1 in the afternoon? I'd say about 12 or 1, yes. Did you um, reach out by telephone to uh, Jennifer the day before she came to New York? Objection. Ground. Outside the scope, Your Honor. It is outside of the scope. Well, it's a preliminary to the plans of her coming to New York, Your Honor. Well... Uh, the objection is sustained, but you can continue with the line of questioning. Did you make plans with Jennifer to um, have her come to New York the next day? Did she share that with you? Yes, she did. Did she mention she was first going to a doctor's appointment that morning? Objection, Your Honor. Well, the book court allowed the question concerning plans, and so this is a follow-up on plans overruled. Do you remember the question, ma'am? Did she have plans to visit a doctor? Before she came to your apartment? Yes. Do you remember if it was a Dr. Geronimus that she was going to see that Yes. Morning? And did you, um, as part of your making plans with her, did you try to call her the day before to confirm those plans in the afternoon? Objection, Your Honor. Well, now the line of questioning goes from what was the plan to did you try to confirm the plan? And so... This judge is great, by the way. going to sustain the objection. Did you speak at all to Jennifer that morning of the 24th? No. Did you call, did you call her on her cell phone? No. Objection, Your Honor. Well, the answer to the question was, did you speak to Jennifer that morning? The answer was no. 
And the court understands the second question to be, did you attempt to contact her that morning? You may ask the question again, Tom. Did you attempt to, to contact her that morning? No. Did you have her phone number at the time? Of course. Do you recall what that number is today? Objection, Your Honor. Sustained. I have no further questions. I have nothing further. Oh, Thank you. Look at that look. Barbara, you may step down. Thank you. Oh, let that look. She's like, this guy. I mean, this guy, right? Um, yeah, she's fabulous. And of course, now grieving the loss of her daughter and grieving the loss of her daughter where she doesn't even know what happened to her daughter. And now she's sitting at a trial where um, her, her son-in-law, who is apparently responsible for the loss of her daughter, is now not here taking accountability. And again, as the prosecution rests its case, it is this young woman uh, who has who now is facing, you know, uh, potential, I believe, 60 years in prison, something like that. Uh, I am very curious to see how this um, to see how this all plays out uh, as we as it unfolds with the defense, because there's a lot of things I think that are in her favor. Um you know, but there's a lot of unexplained things. But again, I can't get over this whole, uh, I can't get over the whole gap with the uh, the language barrier and and all of that. I think that's a little um, a little much, uh, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor, uh, sponsor of today's show, Babbel. I'll be right back. Hey, movers. Did you know that one in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list? If you're one of them, Make 2024 the year you finally check it off with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Designed by over 150 language experts, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are your passport to speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Real people, real conversations. That's the Babbel way. Babbel's tips and tools are not just lessons. They're companions in real-life situations. The approachable, accessible content is delivered through conversation-based teaching ensuring you're ready to shine in the real world. Before Babbel, I couldn't imagine effortlessly ordering food, asking for directions, or chatting with local merchants, and all without consistently checking a language app while I'm on vacation. But Babbel makes it easy, providing the practical skills you need for real-life scenarios. Struggling with pronunciation? Babbel's got your back with speech recognition technology, helping you perfect your accent and sound like a native speaker in no time. Hola. Hola. Here is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash collier. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash collier, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash collier. Rules and restrictions may apply. Rules and restrictions may apply. No, Babbel's great. Learn a new language using Babbel. The app is fantastic. I've been practicing my Spanish. I'm going to start doing episodes in Spanish. I'm very excited, but not anytime soon. Um, so Fotis Dulos has, uh, so the defense wanted to admit into evidence this letter from Fotis Dulos 
the day that he decided to relieve the world of his presence, which was in January of 2020. His timing couldn't have been better because he avoided the pandemic and all the craziness. Could you imagine being stuck inside a house with photos doulos? This crazy man, seriously? Uh, everything? Uh, no, sorry. Um, maybe he did everyone a favor. I can't even believe. Yeah, I just thought about that. Anyways, this is the note that he left that the defense was trying to get admitted into evidence. So this says, if you, I love that I can read this. This is fabulous because my I have my wonderful my wonderful LASIK uh, dated the 28th of January 2020. All, if you are reading this, I am no more. I refuse to spend even an hour more in jail for something I had nothing to do with. Enough is enough. If it takes, if it takes my head, if it takes, if it takes my head to end this, so be it. I want it to be known that that Michelle Traconis had nothing to do with Jennifer's disappearance, and neither did Kent Mawinney. I asked the state to uh, to let them free of any such accusations. Um, I oh, I don't know what that says. I can't read that. What writing? Um, I think the state. Uh, I asked this. I I. I also asked the state to stop harassing my friends, Andresi Tuzredor and Ann Curry. They are, they are honorable people. Please let my children know that I love them. I would do anything to be with them. But unfortunately, we all have our limits. The state will not rest until I rot in jail. My attorney can explain what happened with the bags on Albany Avenue. Everything else is a story fabricated by the law enforcement. I want to thank all my family and friends that stood by me, by me through this difficult time above all Anna Curry. I am so far, sorry for letting you down and not continuing the fight. Bonus. Oy vey. <laughs> if anything deserves an oy vey. Uh, my wave on Discord. Oh, you guys are all joining the Discord. That's fabulous. Thank you so much. It will be a great time. And it'll be a great place for me to communicate with you guys because part of the problem is with YouTube, we can't, you know, I have to do a post on the community section. Some of you don't see it. If you're on Discord, you'll get notifications probably a lot better. I'll be able to communicate with you like today. I had to push the live a couple, you know, a couple hours later because I had to find some stuff so I could, you know, present to you guys, do a little extra work. Life gets in the way rainstorms happen in Los Angeles and cause havoc and upheaval everywhere. Madness, I say. No, in all seriousness, uh, thank you so much. And um, uh, I'm very excited because we're going to have a great time. Everyone take a sip of your drink. Yes. Uh, Tina Luffman will be able to put her, um, will be able to put her bingo cards on uh, Discord, maybe. And yes, Maui Swift, victim photos, the victim narcissist. Absolutely. It's really is. It really is kind of challenging. Maybe I'll do a video where I dive into him. I don't really know. Uh, I really don't know how much um, of how much is out there of his stuff to even look at. 
he definitely does not sound like a very nice person. I think we can all agree on that. But um, yeah, uh, I wonder how bad he was. I wonder how bad uh, he was to deal with in real life. I'm sure pretty, pretty awful. Uh, when you rope people in, there is something that um, I, I believe it might be this Kent Mowini. Somebody found um, evidence on their property, and you guys can correct me in the in the uh, chat if you like, because I, I'm not 100 percent on this. Um, I know that there's something I'm not exactly sure what it was, but it took me back to my father's business partner on the day before my mother's body was discovered in the house that I found the photos of. Um, his business partner found concrete that was dumped on his property in like a really remote section, like down by a ravine and reported it to police. Like, bro, the timing, right? Uh, which matched the concrete that was from the house that my father had buried my mother's body in. Uh, so there's like these little like synchronicities in this case that, that brought, that were brought to my attention just by just reading through everything. I thought, yeah, this is interesting. This is a very similar, this is a kind of a parallel to my own story in a lot of ways. Um, Obviously, husband, girlfriend, weirdness, kids. Yeah, all this. Just, yeah, terrible. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it is it is very, very uh, interesting to see the parallels between uh, both, both stories, for sure. Um, come on. There we go. All right. Um, so, uh, all right. I want to play a couple of other things, little recaps, but, and get into what happened today. So, Prosecution rested today. If you guys are not caught up, I'm going to give you a brief little summary of the last couple of days of the trial since we last were on the show. And then I'm going to play some videos for you. So uh, on day 21, which would have been last, so they they did not have court, I believe, on Friday, or, or sorry, um, Monday, obviously, because it was President's Day. So Tuesday, Wednesday. So this would have been last Wednesday. Testimony revolves around surveillance footage captured during the period when um, when Far Jennifer Farber Dulos disappeared, investigators assert the cameras that recorded Dula, uh, uh, photos Dulos leaving a red Toyota Tacoma for cleaning at Avalon at an Avon car wash on May the 29th, 2019, five days after allegedly using it to travel to New Canaan to commit the crime and then returning to Farmington. Notably, the truck belonged to Dulos's employee, Pavel Gumini, taken without his knowledge. Now, there's also, he didn't know he had it, but again, he didn't know he took it to get it detailed. According to Turconis' arrest warrant, she trailed Dulos in another vehicle as he drove the Tacoma to the car wash. During the trial, the jury was presented with surveillance footage from New Canaan on the morning of Farber Dulos's, of Jennifer Farber Dulos's disappearance. The footage uh, captured someone on a bike passing by, and a few hours later, a black SUV was seen coming from the opposite direction. Investigators contend that the SUV was Dulos traveling to and from Farber Dulos's residence. There's also this whole situation with uh, with Fotis Dulos's bike that he had as a kid, and this particular bike they were trying to find. It's like a uh, it's a Tour de France bike. I mean, like it's an old, old, old bike. Um, why he would be hanging on to it, who knows? Day 22, witnesses provided testimony regarding surveillance footage during the period when Farber, when Jennifer Farber Dulos disappeared, with a focus on the ongoing Dulos ch child custody case. 
Dulos's neighbor, Garrison Hudkins, shared that Dulos informed him of Jennifer Farber Dulos's disappearance and inquired about the duration he retained his surveillance recordings. Subsequently, Dulos asked to view the footage. Now, interestingly enough, this sounds like a whole other really tragic circumstance surrounding a husband, a girlfriend, and a wife and children. That is the case of, um, why is his name escaping me? He is a horrible, horrible person rotting in a Colorado prison. Why is your name escaping me? Uh, Chris Watts. Thank you. Chris Watts. You did nobody put in the, uh, this reminds me a little bit of Chris Watts because Chris Watts had inquired that his neighbors had surveillance footage that they showed to the cops because he, he had said, Oh, I, I, I left in my truck and blah, 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 you know, and obviously was busted by neighbors surveillance footage. So again, this is something that is a big deal. And I will play some of this surveillance footage for you guys because and these houses, by the way, are absolutely stunning. Uh, I looked up the Ford Jefferson Crossing. Uh, Zillow estimate is $2.9 million. That is the house where uh, the smoke was seen billowing out of the chimney. And Michelle Traconis, the, and they're, they were playing this, and there was an all-day sort of, they could see on the surveillance footage, the smoke coming out, law enforcement. And this is what they're asserting that they believe that Michelle Traconis was assisting Fotis Dulos in burning remnants that had to do with the murder of Jennifer Dulos. So um, this is an interesting sort of thing. But I mean, this house is absolutely gorgeous. And people have all these worlds and these wonderful things that they're doing. And they just decide to um, do really horrific things. And it's it's insane to me uh the other house which is 80 mountain spring road again another beautiful i should just let me share this little if you guys have not seen these houses it's wild let me tell you um this is the uh this is the 80 mountain spring road address I mean, these houses are just like, look at that ivy in the back. Are you kidding me? That's just ridiculous. If that house was in Los Angeles, that would be a lot of money. With all that space. Wow. That's yeah, just beautiful. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, that is not the fireplace that is in question, though. Uh, the other residence that was in question is um where the where the um smoke was seen billowing out is this four jefferson crossing um and that is the house this was the chimney i believe that is on the surveillance footage that has the smoke coming out of it that they are alluding was them destroying evidence dulos and um photos dulos and uh uh michelle traconis Whew, Zillow, thank you so much to our other sponsor, Zillow, <laughs> for participating in the show. Um, uh, just absolute craziness. Let me uh let me pull up these uh some of this testimony. So um this is pulled from 
yesterday's Almost hearing. overnight, she went from a possible witness to a person of interest in the case of a missing mom of five from New Canaan, the girlfriend in the middle of a bitter a and brutal divorce here. battle. The stuff you were throwing out, we have. And it's all Jennifer. It belongs to Jennifer. Do you understand? Turned high-profile murder investigation. Guys, what happened to Jennifer McGuire? We're taking you inside the trial of Michelle Traconis. And thanks for joining us once again for Inside the Trial. So this is they're gonna. They, so they were playing the interrogation videos in. Um, so Michelle Traconis was interrogated in the twice. case. Who Sorry, was three times. And they are playing. They are playing this in court over the last several days, which I was going to get to. Um, this is the third interview, and they played this, and then the um, law enforcement talked about it a little bit. In that interview room, John Kimball will be back on the stand today. We'll dig into this lengthy interview and talk about some of the takeaways coming up. Detective Kimball also walked the jury through surveillance video from May 24, 2019, the day Jennifer Dulos disappeared. It showed multiple trips that afternoon to and from 80 Mountain Spring Road, a property Dulos had for sale, and for Jefferson Crossing, the home he and Traconis lived in. We saw both the Jeep Cherokee and the Chevy Suburban in those videos. Both vehicles Traconis eventually admitted to driving that day. Some evidence that we hadn't seen before or heard about until Friday also came up in court. Video of smoke coming from the left chimney of the Jefferson Crossing home that same afternoon on May 24th. Prosecutors allege that times the smoke is seen coming from the chimney line up with trips Traconis made to the home. Her attorney told reporters fires in that fireplace were a regular occurrence. And the defendant is no longer allowed to use her laptop in the courtroom. This after the state claims Draconis had part of a sealed. Always a laptop. Always a laptop at the crux of these things, right? Custody evaluation report up on her screen in the view of the court gallery and pool camera. A judge called for a contempt hearing and he said that will happen after the defense rests at the earliest. Let's bring in NBC Connecticut's Kevin Geis once again, live for us outside Stanford Superior Court. Kevin, let's start with that third interview Michelle Dracotis gave to police. Uh, we know that it is more than three hours long. So what has the jury learned so far in this interview from what they've seen? Shannon, good morning. Well, this third well interview was Sarah done Holden. a few months well after the first two interviews, and this is the interview the that thing. police investigators allege Traconis changed the most details in her story or added some new details that they had not heard in prior interviews. Some of those inconsistencies include no interaction with Fotis Dulos the morning Jennifer disappeared, and Fotis Dulos's cell phone being in his office all morning, and the fact she answered a call on Fotis's cell phone with Kent Mawinney present. For, for the afternoon on May 24th, she also notes in the interview a joke she said Fotis or Pavel Gumieni made about when Pavel arrived to 80 Mountain Spring and saw Traconis and Dulos standing up against the Tacoma. She told investigators one of the men said, quote, I didn't see anything or we weren't doing anything. According to her arrest warrant, investigators say Traconis appeared to say Gumieni's arrival interrupted her and Dulos from engaging in sex alongside the passenger side of the Tacoma. She also spoke about the presence of a bicycle in the garage of the property and the presence of Pavel Gumieni's Toyota Tacoma. This third interview is the first time investigators are hearing about those details from Traconis. Right from the start of the interview, investigators press Traconis that they do not believe she's being truthful with them and that they have information to prove it and tell her this is her chance to clear things up.
The way it looks now is you may be looking like you're more involved than you actually are. So we're trying to get you, give you an opportunity to kind of explain what's going on and put things in perspective and context. We have a little under an hour left in this third interview before the defense, of course, has their chance to cross-examine John Kimball about this interview, as well as some of the surveillance videos that led into the interview. Shannon. All right, Kim. Now, uh, I will play some of the John Kimball stuff. Okay, so let me see here. All right, this is more of that surveillance footage. First, at 1.32 p.m., a white Jeep Cherokee is seen heading in the direction of 80 Mountain Spring Road. Michelle Draconis told investigators she drove the Cherokee on May 24th. And then, just a minute later, you see a Chevy Suburban consistent with the one photos Dulo zone heading the same way. A few minutes later, a camera across from 80 Mountain Spring first shows the Cherokee pulling in the driveway. And then the Suburban less than a minute later. So, Kevin... So again, one of the things that I am uh, I am always very puzzled with all of this is, don't these people realize that everything is filmed? These are all from neighbors like ring cameras. Um, you can easily get this stuff. The, the, the police can just go and get it wherever. I think about this all the time and I, I my my poor neighbors were in a civil situation and they even asked me, they said, Hey, we need to, um, can we get your footage? Because somebody was accusing us of X, Y, and Z. And I said, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Here's, here it is. Let me, let me download all my phone real fast and I'll text it to you. You know what I mean? Like, it's that easy. Never underestimate the predictability of stupidity. These are, this is a wealthy neighborhood. People are going to have cameras everywhere. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't see how anybody can think that they can get away with either just being prevaricated with the police, lying to the police, or making up stories, or thinking that they're going to get away with a murder. Unbelievable to me. I mean, again, we have this, again, we have this situation with the Murdoch trial, with the cell phones, people, again, Brian Koberger, oh, I wasn't near the house, turned his cell phone, like, it's track, you track everything. I can remember, not to get off on a tangent, but I remember hearing, I remember watching a Facebook video during the pandemic when the vaccinations came out. And I don't want to get into all that, but I do want to say this person is talking about how the government is tracking us and using vaccines or whatever. And I said, are you kidding me? And she's literally filming it on her phone on face, posting it on Facebook. And I thought to myself, does no, does nobody realize that these things track everything? How many times have you been on the here and started talking about, I really want a pair of black Nike track pants. And all of a sudden, you'll be searching the internet and black Nike track pants will be suggested on a website you are. I don't understand how these people think that they just can get away with this. It's un—it's unbelievable to me. I really wish, I really wish, and I think about this a lot, not a lot, but enough, <laughs> enough that I, you know, it's in my consciousness. Uh, is if there was a, if there were cell phones during the time when my father had committed the murder of my mother, and he was tracked in a way like smartphones. There were cell phones at that time, but like smartphones, iPhones. What would his trail? What would his trail be everywhere? It would be like the Reese's Pieces through the forest and ET. It'd be insane. Uh, you know, it, it's just it's mind blowing to me that um, that uh, that people just think they can get away with this. And lie to police. But one of the things that's interesting about some of this footage that we're going to play um, 
is that, uh, you know, um, uh, Michelle Traconis was obviously interrogated for three on three separate occasions by police. I don't know why. Oh, Sharita Hall. Thank you so much. Sharita Hall. I did respond to you and uh, I hope you got the email. Um, thank you so much for your concern. We're back. Here we are. Mover nation. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sure my father was glad there wasn't cell phones. I can't even imagine what trail of evidence. I mean, I, I ran into someone when I was home in Ohio, a few years back and they saw my father getting biscuits on the morning that he was driving my mother's body. They believe to Erie, Pennsylvania where he buried her uh, because he had a bunch of like equipment in the back of his truck and he stopped because my father liked those cinnamon raisin biscuits from Arby's and that Arby's is still there, I believe. And he stopped at that Arby's and got his little cinnamon raisin biscuits and somebody saw him <laughs> with all the shit in the back of his truck. There you go. Never underestimate the predictability of stupidity. Mover Nation, we will never understand uh, why people do what they do, but we just kind of move on. We, you know, hey, it's not you, it's them, right? Um, Back Talk to about that over an hour time gap between when the Tacoma arrives at 80 Mountain Spring Road and then those other two vehicles get there as well. If Photos Dulos was driving the Tacoma, did we have any idea? how he ended up back at Jefferson Crossing to pick up the Suburban and then drive back to 80 Mountain Spring Road. So let me, I, I want to get to like the actual, okay, here's what I want. I want my smoking chimney. Okay. About until now, Kimball also testified about surveillance videos showing for Jefferson Crossing. There you go. That is literally, that is literally a ring camera right there at the top. That's somebody's doorbell camera right there. And look how crystal clear that is. Look how crystal, I mean, it's just wild to me. Wild. From the home across the street. You may remember the homeowner at one Jefferson Crossing testified about giving this video to investigators. Investigators noticed something in that video that they thought was worth evidentiary value. Smoke rising from the chimney at the far left of the home. We have highlighted that smoke so you can get a better look here. And a reminder, the jury sees the video in an unedited form. Investigators noticed something else about when that smoke started rising. Detective Kimball, just while that video is playing, would this have been before or after that vehicle consistent with the white Jeep Cherokee was observed heading back in the general direction of Fort Jefferson Crossing? This video is after the white Jeep Cherokee was seen heading towards Fort Jim. At 3.25 p.m., Kimball pointed out in the video more smoke was coming from the chimney of Fort Jefferson Crossing. Now, between each video clip and testimony about the smoke, prosecutors asked John Kimball to walk through that neighborhood surveillance video and line the smoke up with when the Cherokee and later the Suburban arrived at the home. The jury watched as multiple times surveillance videos showing the white Jeep Cherokee leave the driveway of 80 Mountain Spring and then head into the direction of Fort Jefferson Crossing. And then video on Eli Road near Jefferson Crossing showed the Jeep heading back toward the Mountain Spring property. At one point, the jury sees a Suburban leave 80 Mountain Spring shortly after 4 p.m. They see it go past the Eli Road camera toward Jefferson Crossing, then it heads back to 80 Mountain Spring Road. Cat loves Catskills. Of course, they have really good. They have really good ring cameras in that neighborhood. 
They got the money to buy the really good ring cameras. They're not getting like the gift with purchase ring camera. They're getting like the high-end HD 4K uh, ring camera, <laughs> camera with 10-bit color. They're not messing around. Um, but I mean, look, this is, I mean, sucks if you're a criminal, but works if you're not. Kimball tells the jury in her third interview, Michelle Traconis told investigators she took the Chevy Suburban at some point that day. Pavel Gumini testified that during the shuffling back and forth of those vehicles around 5 p.m., that Michelle was in the Cherokee first and then the Suburban. There now appears to be smoke coming out of the east chimney before Jefferson Crossing at uh, 6.42 p.m. Incidentally, uh, during your first two interviews with the defendant, did she ever indicate to you whether or not anyone had lit in a fire at Fort Jefferson Crossing on May 24th? She did not, know. Now, the smoke continues on the surveillance video through the next image captured at 7.02 p.m. In his testimony, Kimball said it was three separate smoke events separated by non-smoke. So, Kevin, let's talk more about the smoke and tying it back to the trips back and forth between the two properties. What's the implication here? Right. It's fascinating evidence because we haven't seen the surveillance video before and the smoke was never mentioned in any of the arrest warrants. So it is an interesting piece, but it will be a bit of a jump for the jury to sort of determine exactly what that smoke means, why there was smoke coming out of the house. Of course, you're in late May and prosecutors also attempted to point out at one point that there was a young man entering that one Jefferson Crossing home wearing shorts and a T-shirt. But the jury will have to sort of make that leap for themselves because they couldn't really get into too much testimony beyond that. And of course, Defense Attorney John Schoenhorn outside court making the point that anything regarding the smoke for the jury and for prosecutors is pure speculation. Well, Kevin, the prosecution did try to highlight it was late May, warm weather, people wearing T-shirts and shorts, but the defense objected to its relevance and the judge sustained that. Still, the jury is going to draw its own conclusions. Yes, I think uh, common sense may prevail in this particular situation and say, why were they building a fire inside a house in May when people are coming in and out? Obviously, they're showing that to show that, like, hey, it's really nice weather, guys. Just to remind you, there's no snow on the ground, as uh, uh, Karen Fan refers to it as the white stuff. There's no white stuff on the ground. There's <laughs> nothing. It is literally, it is literally uh, uh, almost summer, and uh, they're burning a fire. Why are they burning a fire? It leaves leads you to um, I don't know maybe jump to conclusions I don't know uh, we shall see well what all uh, comes out in the defense you know because uh, they started today I'm going to get into a little bit of that as well just to say uh, welcome um, Trevor William thank you for being a channel member also yes remember that Arby's we have the meats yep there you go. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. I had to do that. My my dad really loved Arby's. There's Arby's like cinnamon raisin biscuits with the frosting and stuff. I remember. I just remember those as a kid. You know, I remember going and getting those with my father. But yes, he had to have those before he, uh, you know, <laughs> disposed of my mother's body. Uh, again, never underestimate the predictability of stupidity. So, um, there. So there is a little bit of an issue. Okay, here we go. We're gonna. 
I'm just trying to find the right. Okay, so here is John Schoenhorn, which is the he was the defense attorney for Michelle Traconis, and he's going to, of course, weigh in. Uh, apparently, and again, I don't have personal knowledge of this. In South American culture, apparently, having fires in your fireplace is a social activity and something that one does on a regular basis. But I can't personally attest to that fact. I've only been to Chile. I've never been to Argentina or Venezuela. So. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's just like the English make themselves a cup of tea. Would you like tea? It's the afternoon. Would you like some tea? Sorry, it's a very bad English, bad English accent. I apologize. Um, no, in all seriousness, what, what, is that what we're talking about here? <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of humorous. The thing is, is that, you know, as you watch this trial, a lot of people have talked about this. There's so much like hearsay that is keep coming into the evidence and keep coming into the trial that the judges are sort of allowing it. And it's working for like both sides of the court, right? Um, it's working for both the prosecution and the defense. It, this, this case is all over the place. It's so much so that um, it's so much so to me uh, that it's very confusing. Like when I'm going back and I'm reading all this stuff, I'm getting very confused. It's like trying to keep the facts straight. Also trying to understand how they've built this particular case against the um uh, against Michelle Traconis how they do this without a victim's uh, without the victim's body how they do this without the obvious perpetrator Fotis Dulos I mean um it is very it's very very interesting I, you know one of the things that and I do not know this so I'm just I was literally thinking about it earlier today one of the things that I um that often the prosecutors will often do and defense attorneys will do is they bring in character witnesses to establish the character of, um, of the defendant or, or the credibility of a witness. Right. Um, and I remember this was a big part of the, um, of the Murdoch trial that a lot of people talked about. Now, apparently some people said that the, the, the financial crimes, the defense allowed uh, wanted admitted as evidence. I don't know how that makes that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I know that a lot of people said that, that one of the ways that, um, that, that the prosecution uh, achieved a guilty verdict against Alec Murdoch on his double murder trial was the fact that they were able to admit this evidence of his financial crimes to show his character, right? Uh, well, if he's deceived people and he's stolen all this money from clients that are in the worst way possible and he's willing to do that, then clearly he's a monster, right? If they could easily take the life of his wife and son, right? Uh, now, people have said, no, the defense admitted that or whatever. But my point in saying all this is what I find very interesting in this particular trial is I have yet to see someone come in as a character witness. Now, we are going to get to that in the defense because they did have two people uh, get on the witness stand today um, or three. But um, one of the things that I, I was very, you know, there's there doesn't seem to be a lot of like character witnesses right now i know michelle traconis is from venezuela she's like a venezuelan uh, uh, heiress or something or high society member there i mean venezuela's you know has a lot of <laughs> a lot of issues chavez family uh anyone um but uh you know big oil country and um but can't feed people too uh problem but um you know obviously she's connected to argentinian culture maybe perhaps that's why her lawyer brings that up i don't know um but uh i, I would be very interested to see like where are the character witnesses to support 
because I don't think, um, you know, I think people have come to to talk about Fotis Julos, and I'm going to play these videos in a second. We'll get into it. By the way, it's at 6.30. We've been on for an hour. Uh, we're just going to keep going, if that's okay with you guys. I'll just keep talking because, I, you know, I can suck the oxygen out of a room if I need to. <laughs> Uh, Ian said that's because the defendant hasn't quote uh, quote hasn't opened the door to character evidence. Says Ian Zev. Ian Zev, what is that jersey you have on there? Um, good point. Good point. Um, yeah, I don't know if they. Um, you can only bring in character witnesses if the defense opens the door. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, thank you for. This is why we have such a great community. Y'all are smarter than me in a lot of this stuff. So Arizona Cardinals. All righty. You guys going to do it? Oh, man. Kyler Murray gets a bad rap. He's a great quarterback. Great quarterback. Um, <clears throat> total side note. Uh, so, okay. So there were a couple of witnesses. So the, the prosecution rested on the testimony of Gloria um, uh, Gloria Farber, the mother of Jennifer Dulos, who's currently taking care of the five children who have no mother and father. And with the assistance of the nanny that worked for the family as well, uh, I cannot remember her name right off the top of my head. Um, uh, she testified for a couple of days of the trial earlier, earlier at the beginning, towards the beginning of the trial. Um, you know, these like I think about these poor kids, like what they're going to have to go through is. Um, you know, I always talk about, I, I, I share a lot about my story in a way of where I'm very grateful because I, I know what happened to my mother. There's no speculation. I heard my father murder her. I saw my father's behavior. I knew what he was doing. Obviously, a lot of that. Um, I talk a lot to other true, other victims of violent crime and, and talk to, you know, share my story with people, what have you. And that comes up a lot is that, like, I have this. And even I had like doubts sometimes as I got older, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it was a situation where I had, I, I had a lot of, I always hate using the word closure, but I most certainly had an idea of what happened and therefore I can move on. Right. Even though I didn't want to believe my mother was dead. Like I, I, I knew that that's what happened and there was a body found and we can put that to bed and we can now deal with the aftermath of all that. It's very hard to be able to deal with the aftermath of that or become an, a, a thriving and successful adult in, in just in, in life in general, being someone who contributes to society versus detracts from society without having sort of those questions answered for, your, for you. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you come from money, if you come from the streets, if you, if you have come from privilege, if you don't have privilege, if you have an education, you don't have an education. It's all the same. It is uh, non-denominational, if you will. <laughs> it is agnostic to your circumstances. It still invokes the same, uh, the same emotions with people. And you see people self-destruct all the time. And I just really fear for that with the children. Um, but they're young, but not knowing and not having the people and the support systems in your life. Uh, look, my whole family turned their back on me. Uh, it's a big deal. And not being able to have that is, um, you know, these are young kids that will have to grow up in the in the shadow of all of this, and um, uh, you know, will want answers at some point and won't have them. So I feel um, feel this is, you know, it's it's a lot for them. 
It's a lot. I don't mean to to bring anyone down, but that's the thing. So, okay, so um, the defense brought up a few people today after Gloria Farber and after the prosecution rested its case. Um, so uh, the big the big ruling on the day was that uh, Judge Kevin Randolph decided on Wednesday afternoon to, to this afternoon to preclude the defense from introducing Fotis Doulis's um, farewell letter, as we like to call it. His farewell letter uh, was not, uh, he's not going to be allowed in, into evidence <laughs> to, where he exonerates uh, Michelle Traconis and, and Kent Mulwaney and other people. Uh, very, very bizarre, uh, interesting. Um, so, uh, oh, yeah, I see some comments here. Uh, the child, the hospital did arrange for the children to say goodbye to their father. Too bad he couldn't have been honest with them at that time. Absolutely, and he was also a vegetable at that time too. So, um, yeah, I remember watching a friend of mine um, who passed away during the pandemic. Um, he had cancer, and he was on a ventilator and could not talk, and and his children couldn't. He was. Uh, yeah, that was not a fun one, man. Rest in peace, Eric. Get some good times. Um, yeah, Eric Rogers. Um, so, uh, no, no farewell letter will be admitted to exonerating Michelle Traconis. Farmington police officer Jeffrey Gloud testified briefly, demonstrating the chain of custody for the note. Gloud said that he logged the envelope. The envelope into evidence in May 2020 from a Connecticut state police detective. Farmington Police Sergeant Sean Bailey was then called to the stand when asked by John Schoenhorn, Traconis' attorney, what his assignment was in January 2020. The state objected. Randolph then took up legal arguments outside the presence of the jury. With the jury not in the courtroom, Schoenhorn said that Bailey was called to Fotis Dulos' home after Fotis Dulos did not show up, show up to a court appearance. Bailey observed Fotis Dulos in a vehicle and pulled Fotis Dulos out of the vehicle and called an emergency rescue, rescue, rescue crew to the scene. At that time, police seized the note. Schoenhorn said, quote, even if the court does not end up allowing in the farewell letter, the circumstances surrounding the fact that Mr. Dulos is unavailable is the thrust of this testimony. Schoenhorn said he also has another state police detective waiting to testify about he, how he sees the note. Now, this is interesting because this seems like just absolute obvious uh, common sense that, um, that this note... <laughs> Um, that people and the jury members um, know that Fotis Dulos is no longer with us, is no longer walking the planet. Um, but apparently they don't. <laughs> apparently there is a little bit of confusion in some people that are wondering where Fotis Dulos is in all of this. Because I guess it hasn't been driven home that he is no longer available, that he has left this earthly plane that we all inhabit. Um, I found that kind of interesting um, because I would think that that would be just like, Hey, she's on trial, but I think some people feel that way. Um, oh, thank you so much, Marion Creighton. Uh, 
call you. You're a fine young man. Happy birthday next week. You are your mother's son and extremely smart. Love your podcast. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you, Marianne. That's very kind of you. Um, very nice. Very sweet. Thank you. Um, so, uh, what was I saying? Um, okay. So, um, uh, okay. So it's interesting that the, the, the jury might not be completely aware that Mr. Fotos Dulos is no longer with us and Michelle is standing trial by herself. But apparently that's a thing that they wanted to do. In a handwritten letter, Fotos Dulos said he was innocent than that Traconis and Mowinney had nothing to do with Jennifer's, quote, disappearance. He also said he refused to spend even one, even more, even an hour more in jail for something he had nothing to do with. Note read. I remember my father saying this as well. Um, he was in jail for something that he had nothing to do with, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, it's obviously ludicrous and ridiculous. The jury returned and um, the jury returned and uh, Schoenhort introduced Fotos Dulos's death certificate. The certificate said that he died on January the 30th, 2020 in the Bronx, New York. So they did. Now the jury knows that he is no longer with us by producing the death certificate, which uh, I watched him. <laughs> I watched Mr. Schoenhorn fumble around in court with the, with the scanner. <laughs> it was kind of funny, actually, uh, to scan the death certificate very poorly. And then that's how the day closed, really, pretty much. But um, so uh, a few things. So. There are some people who came, uh, who who were brought by the defense to talk about uh, events that happened after the disappearance of Jennifer Dulos. So uh, one of the quotes was, Jennifer, uh, uh, Michelle Traconis was happy day after Jennifer Dulos was reported missing, hairstylist says. Cheryl Breyer, an, Av an Avon hairstylist, took the stand. She said Traconis was her customer since 2018. Breyer testified that she colored Traconis's hair on May the 25th, 2019. John Schoenhorn, Traconis's defense attorney, asked Breyer what his client's demeanor was like on that day. She said, Michelle is always happy. She is just a positive person, she said. I've never seen her mad or anything like that. Breyer also noted that there was nothing unusual about Traconis's behavior that day. Well, I guess this is our character witnesses then. <laughs> Ian Zev, this is our character witnesses. Briere also noted there was nothing unusual about Traconis's behavior that day. She said she was happy. She added, a toast at a dinner party was to positive resolution for the Dulos custody battle, witness says. Now, Beth Reich, who is the fiance of Stephen Reich, was the next witness on Wednesday afternoon. She testified that she met Fotis and Jennifer Dulos in November of 2014, and she said her interactions with Jennifer Dulos were always warm and friendly and welcoming. And uh, we are going to play a little bit of Miss Reich's um, testimony. Did you know um, Fotis Dulos in 2000? Well, did you know Fotis Dulos when he was alive? Yes. Could you tell us how you met him? I met... Um, both Jennifer and Fotis Dulos um, in November of 2014 when um, I went to the offices at Ford Jefferson Crossing, the Ford Group. 
Who was living there at that time? Uh, Jennifer, Fotis, and the five children. Did you communicate at the time with Jennifer Dulos? Yes. Um, did uh, Stefan as well? Yes. Did you communicate with Fotis at that time? Yes. Well, how would you describe your interaction with Jennifer Dulos during that time? I'm going to object, Your Honor. How would you describe your interaction with Jennifer Dulos at that time? Ground. Relevance, we're talking about 2014 interaction with Jennifer Dulos, the alleged victim in this case, Your Honor. Uh, it's not relevant. <clears throat> well, unless the inquiry is going to go beyond 2014, it's not relevant. I understand. This is a preliminary when they met, and I'm going to then progress. So I... The court will overrule the objection. Um, do you want me to describe the moment I met her, or do you want me to describe no, the I'm totality of my the experience? general demeanor of the interaction? Um, friendly, welcoming. She was very happy that uh, Stefan and I were in a relationship, which was brand new in November of 2014. Me too, Black Widow. Um, Me too. The relationship expanded and our interactions evolved from there. Let me fast forward a little bit here. You if I don't know who the person is, I, I don't exactly remember who okay. it was. I'm sorry. So let me move on from that. Um, when Fotis said that he'd be right back, did he come right back? I don't exactly remember the length of time, but he was back in due course, a very short period of time. Can you tell us when, when you, did you continue on and go into the, uh, into Fort Jefferson Crossing? Yes. After we exchanged um, communication with FOTUS, we um, pulled the Stefan's car through the Port Cachere, parked on the French trellis portion of the driveway, and then proceeded into the house. And just for those of us who don't know French, the Fort de Cher is the archway that separates the two garages on the left from the two garages on the right? It's the archway, yes, the Port de okay. So um, when you arrived, did you go right into the house? Um. So this is her talking about, so she and her, um, uh, she and um, Stephen Reich, uh, her, I believe, husband or ex-husband, um, she, uh, they were, they had crossed paths with Fotis, ran into him and they saw the other car driving behind him. So this is sort of establishing this whole thing. Um, and she's going to get into the toast that was at the, uh, this was on the, uh, May the 23rd was when their, um, when their actual, uh, event and, was. uh, Michelle didn't have that in her inventory at the time. I don't believe back this up a little bit to the kitchen. So it's kind of like pathway from the kitchen to the TV room area. And then there were also some in the offices upstairs. And I imagine they were probably heavily. So she was probably a little flustered and that might've been what I heard through the window. Is the reason you were looking at these rugs at that time? Uh, yes, I actually have three of those types of rugs in my house, but they're cream and uh, silver. And uh, Michelle didn't have that in her inventory at the time, I don't believe. Um, but it uh, yes, and I believe there are a couple more. All right. Were there any toasts that evening? Yes. Could you just describe that? Um, the toast. We learned that evening that, or I, I should speak for myself. 
I heard that evening that Fotis had been at Jennifer's home in New Canaan with the children and that experience and their interpersonal um, reactions to each other uh, was very amicable, which we were very glad to hear. And he had also stated that the custodial evaluation... Objection, Your Honor. Well, any testimony about what Otis Dulo said about the custodial report or the investigation is not admissible. And follow up, counsel. So uh, without getting into what the... This judge the report does not care. Said, he's he's what not was having the, um, the mood regarding the toast? What was the toast about? I'm going to object, Your Honor. This is clearly asking for hearsay. Well, <laughs> preliminary question is what the toast about what was in the custodial <laughs> investigation or the custodial report. Ian Zev, you were on the, the live the yesterday as well. Thank you for coming. The objection. That's the question you wish to ask, counsel. You may. Yes. What was the the toast? I don't know any words that were particularly said, but the general sentiment that I recall was a feeling of excitement that there was going to be positive resolution for them both um, during what I knew to be a very difficult custody battle. Which, despite if you're which side you're on, it's very, very difficult for either parent and very difficult for the children. And the sentiment was that maybe this is going to end and there would be more peace. And how did you react? What was your reaction? Uh, Were you happy? Objection, you? Your Honor. Relevance. Relevance, counsel. Well, the fact that she heard something and, and reacted to it <laughs> is the purpose of these uh, Well, this the jury can draw no probative value from this witness's reaction to what Fortis Dulo said, sustained. Was there um, any negative comments whatsoever said about Jennifer during this day? No. Was the uh, entire evening a positive and hopeful evening? Yes. Was that true even after you finished the dinner? Yes. Was that true after you finished uh, the toast? Yes. At any time, did you see Mr. Uh, Dulos uh, act in any surreptitious or uh, underhanded manner during that dinner? No. Anything that stood out as being odd? Just that when we drove in, he was driving out, and he almost seemed like he had forgotten we were coming. Okay, but you said that that wasn't odd for him. I don't know if I actually said that, but um, it's often that... In my experience with men, um, if you're a host of something, you might forget sometimes. Okay. And how was uh, Michelle's attitude that evening, her demeanor during that dinner? Um, engaging, friendly, um, positive. At any time, did you see her act in any strange way or leave the room in any surreptitious way? Not that I recall. Did she join in in the toast? 
I don't know how many hands were in the center, but I imagine she did. Was everyone, were people laughing? So this is, so, okay. So uh, for those of you joining, this is um, Beth Reich. I want to make sure I got her first name right. Beth Reich, who is a friend, uh, the fiance of Stephen Reich. And she testified that she met Fotis and Jennifer Dulos in November 2014. She is talking about a toast that Fotis had just returned from the home of Jennifer Dulos and that there was a custody. They were in this vicious sort of crazy custody battle over these five kids. And um, uh, Fotis um, was very jovial that it hadn't been a good conversation in the family. And they did a toast to, uh, you know, um, the toast was for a positive resolution to the Dulos custody battle. So it was this whole thing going on. So anyways, this, uh, this particular uh, witness is testifying to that in this meeting. This is also interesting to me because this is, uh, you know, after the fact, right? Photos uh, Dulos is gone. Here we are with Michelle Traconis on trial, obviously as the, uh, Lady Macbeth, if you will, and um, and you know they're they're sort of giving this account of Fotis's behavior. Again, this this whole I mean, we are twenty five days into this trial, and there was some really convoluted DNA evidence uh, last week that I spoke about. Uh, or, or a week and a half ago, uh, that I in my last video about Traconis, and um, you know, just how confusing it is and how confusing it can be for the jurors, but also just um, you know, this whole case just seems it seems like a lot. It seems like a lot. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying anyone is guilty or, or, or innocent. Clearly, I think the guiltiest of the parties that are involved in the disappearance of Jennifer Dulos are no longer with us. They left us a wonderful letter, a farewell note, if you will. And um, because they took the easy way out for themselves, of course, because that just seems the, the sort of character that they are. Um, you know, scumbags. And now you've just traumatized your kids too, on top of already traumatizing them. Um, so I just um, I just don't think. Uh, Ian Zab, thank you for your, uh, your, your expert commentary into the into the chat by the way interjecting um <laughs> you're great man thank you so much and you were on our ig live yesterday because you were talking about the discover merger so thanks for jumping on man uh greatly appreciate it so um the next person to um to jump on was steven reich and i believe i have his his Okay, this is Stephen Reich, I believe. Was there anything unusual about her demeanor at the time? No. Even looking back in hindsight? No. Um, so that weekend, that, that was Memorial Day weekend, at, at some point uh, you learned that Jennifer was missing. Mm -hmm. And at any point in time that weekend, did Michelle or Fotis come to the ski club? Um. Or maybe this is not the, sorry, this them. is the ski club guy. My bad. There's a lot of characters that have jumped in. All right, let me give you a little bit of summary here. I think this is actually the real estate agent. So um Fotos Dulos was habitually late. A real estate agent um 
Real estate agent says, before Stephen Reich left the stand, he testified how he strives to be punctual while Fotis Julius had a habit of being late. Manning asked Reich if he if it would surprise him if that Fotis Julius was told to show up somewhere at 4.30 p.m., but got there an hour earlier. He said, yes, it would. Earlier in the trial, longtime Dulos nanny Lauren Almeida recalled that Fotis Dulos had arrived an hour early to Jennifer Dulos's home in, in New Canaan for a supervised visitation on May the 22nd, 2019. Almeida thought this was unusual since he was notoriously late to the events. Sydney Strader, a former parenting advisor and licensed social worker, corroborated this in the trial, saying that Jennifer Dulos told her that her estranged husband had arrived early to the visit. Almeida said Fotis Dulos eventually pulled out of the driveway and parked on Wells Lane until Strader arrived. Jennifer Dulos' father was instrumental in the success of the four group, a real estate agent, a real estate agent says. Supervisory Assistant State's Attorney Michelle Manning cross-examined Stephen Reich, asking him how he first met Jennifer Dulos and became close to the family when the kids were young. Would you ever think Dulos would have left her children, Manning asked. No way, Reich quickly responded. Sounds like my mother. Reich also talked about how Hill Hilliard Farber, Jennifer Dulos's father, who was who he said was instrumental to the success of the four group. Now, the four group was Fotis Dulos's uh um, I was gonna say production company. No, that's my business. Um, was his was his uh uh contracting company building these houses, all the real estate stuff that they were doing, things that are way above my pay grade, by the way. Um when asked to elaborate, Reich said that Hilliard Farber, quote, helped finance a lot of the company. And so a lot of you guys have said I was mistaken on Fotos' Doulos' money. It obviously came from Jennifer's family. And um, obviously, here's this is uncovered in testimony today. Uh, when uh, when asked to, uh, Reich testified that he reached out to Jennifer Doulos when her father died in 2017. Manning also asked about the, the dinner party. From May the 23rd, 2019, Reich testified that he didn't know Haynes and his wife would be in attendance until he arrived at the home that night. Manning confirmed that Traconis was socializing that night in English. Any part of the discussion that night talk about plans to murder for murder Jennifer the next day? Manning asked. No, Reich said. Any part of the discussion about plans to disprove evidence in gar dispose of evidence in garbage cans along Albany Avenue? Manning said, no, of course. Any part of the discussion involved plans about using a Toyota Tacoma and cleaning it afterwards? No. That's not something you discuss at a dinner party, she asked. And he said, no. Um, dinner party the night before Jennifer Dulos's disappearance was just a normal evening, real estate agent testifies. Stephen Reich returned to the stand on Wednesday afternoon to, and discussed a dinner party that occurred the night before Jennifer Dulos. Now we heard his uh, fiance or ex-fiance um, or now wife uh, share her account, Beth Reich. Uh, Reich said that he and his now fiance went to Fotos Dulos' home in Farmington for dinner on May the 23rd, 2019. He was greeted by Traconis, who was showing him rugs for sale. They then ate steak, french fries, and salad with Fotos Dulos. Traconis, Robert Hutch Haynes, and Haynes' wife outside on the patio. Because it was springtime, almost summer. <laughs> Why were you burning a fire? It was just a normal evening, Reich said. Fotis Dulos also talked about his children, Reich testified. He was of the belief that things were getting better as far as the potential custody of his children and said that night he, quote, seemed happy. Was there anything at all at the time that you could think of that suggested that things were not going well that evening? 
John Schoenhorn uh, quizzed him, who is obviously the attorney for Michelle Traconis. And he said, in respect to what? His attitude or anything, Schoenhorn responded, did he ever act in any sort of surreptitious way or disappear, get on his phone, anything like that? And he said, no. I mean, he might have gotten on his phone. That's certainly possible, but there was nothing that jumped out to me. With the benefit of hindsight, that something was wrong. Schoenhorn asked her, also asked Reich about the four group properties which he was involved with, particularly properties that pertain to the case. He first asked Reich about 585 Deercliff Road in Avon, which Reich said that he sold within the past two years. Before the home was sold, Reich said that he, it, was, uh, it was in significant disarray. He said that Fotis Julius' mother had died in the home, and after that, he kind of let the place go. Quote, in all honesty, it was a teardown anyway, he said. The house, uh, the house more than likely would be purchased and then be demolished, and a new home would be constructed in place of that property. The property itself, spanning more than four acres, had sweeping views of the Farmington Valley and was stunning and beautiful, he said. In 2019, Reich was also the listing agent on the 80 Mountain Spring Road, far Road property in Farmington. The four group purchased the home and the company reconstructed it and expanded the original house. Construction had been completed for the property by May of 2019, and the house was being marketed and shown at the time. Traconis told police that Fotis Jewelers called her to 80 Mountain Spring Road on May the 24th to clean the home. Now, this is the day <laughs> that they're saying that all this occurred, right? Reich said that he continued to socialize with Fotis Jewelers after he stopped working for the company. He also recalled meeting Traconis when she moved into the house and called his interactions with her always positive and friendly. Reich recalled Fotis Jewelers talking about the status of his custody dispute with Jennifer Dulos in May or April or May of 2019. But Fotis was positive. So tomorrow, John Schoenhorn, uh, the ran out witness today, is going to bring a um, uh, a psychologist to testify. Um, and he commented on so one of the other things that John Schoenhorn presented earlier in the day, along with the uh, farewell letter was a uh, a motion to um, uh, a motion uh, a, a motion for a judgment of acquittal of the case against Michelle Traconis, which of course the, was denied. <laughs> and he said, "A quote: Although I disagree with the ruling, it is still my position that the state has not proven Michelle's guilt." on any of these charges beyond a reasonable doubt. It's not even clear whether they can prove exactly what Fotis Dulos did, although I'm convinced he certainly did something nefarious. Joan Hart said the defense will be putting on more witnesses for the rest of the week, including a few police officers. He anticipates Elizabeth Luftus, a psychologist specializing in human memory and the cognitive processing of information, will testify on Thursday if there are no issues with her flight. This is the thing that I find Really interesting because this is the defense. This is what the defense is laying down. Um, it was laying down in place of all, all of this for their defense. And when you watch the interrogation tapes of Michelle Traconis, there are three days she was interrogated by police. I don't know why she didn't have a translator. Obviously, she spoke English. Obviously, she spoke English. She she understands English. She is Venezuelan um, and, uh, you know, uh, speaks Spanish. It's a different type of Spanish than they speak in Spain. That's Castilian. Here in California, it's mostly Mexican Spanish. 
and um and um you know uh the rest of latin america speaks you know like a sort of a, a, a mix in in my experience in dealing with many latin people um but the way that the language is used and you can check out our sponsor video, video sponsor babble if you have any questions on this but um no in all seriousness the way that that certain things are cognated and verbs that we use in English can get, get very confusing, confusing to someone who speaks Spanish and vice versa. I have a lot of issues cognating verbs. It's like the biggest thing you got to learn with the language is how to cognate the verbs, right? Um, so when I was listening to her have these discussions with police, she does a she does a really good job, in my opinion, of 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 understanding what's being presented to her. But I don't know why she didn't just say. I need a translator. I would rather hear this in my native tongue. I would. I started thinking about this today. If I was, you know, watched the Navalny documentary, I'm thinking about being in Russia and being interrogated. Not that they would ever give you anything, uh, allow you to have a translator to begin with because they're not even interested in the truth over there. But this is another topic for another day. But my point is, if I was being interrogated in a foreign country, I would want, I, I wouldn't try to speak Spanish to interrogators. I would want to have somebody translate it to English so I can communicate my native tongue. I find it very odd. And there's this behavior that is discussed in court when one of the investigators is pressing and they have this strategy when they are asking Michelle Traconis questions in the interrogation of um, they were trying to upset her and get an emotional response from her. So they were they were insinuating that Fotis Doulos was having a relationship with another woman to try to get a rise out of her, to try to get a reaction because they said when she gets angry, she tells us the truth. And I talk about this a lot, and I am not like as I as I say to all of you, I am not a lawyer, I am not a psychologist, I do not work in law enforcement. I am just a guy who's been through a lot of shit. Let me tell you something: the cops can lie to you; they can straight up lie to you because what they are there to do is to get probable cause. That's what they want to do, and they want to get the truth. Always have a lawyer present. Always, I mean, it is they can lie to you; they can't do it in court. But when they're trying to get you, just I've been arrested a couple of times. I kept my mouth shut. You know what I mean? Because they try to get all kinds of things out of you. And um, you can find yourself in a lot of hot water. Why she wouldn't want to have somebody be there um, to um, uh, translate this for you are implicated in the disappearance of a mother of five that is potentially murdered. I think it's a massive lapse in judgment. Um, and I think that's why she's here. Um, it's wild. It's wild. I'm going to play. A video, yeah, absolutely. Cops can lie, prosecutors can't. You can't lie in court. You know, cops can't lie in court. But when they're trying to get you, and my friend, and I know this because one of my dear friends is a very high, he's very high up in law enforcement in this country. And he's like, the cops can lie to you. He's like, I do it because you're trying to get evidence and you're trying to, you know, you can you can say, hey, we'll make a deal for you. Just tell us. Like, they don't have the authority to get a deal for you. Oh, just tell us what happened and we'll go easy on you. That's just bullshit. Oh, so-and-so in the other room, they spilled the beans about, about the paper towels, Michelle. So why don't you tell us about, I mean, it's really, you know, uh, again, if anyone can take anything from this, like, don't talk to the cops, keep your mouth shut, get a lawyer, get a translator. Um, I call your no self-stitching. Yeah. It's, um, and I'm a widow of a husband who, who of 35 years who was murdered and the mayor of our city covered it up as an accident. I'm so sorry. Lori Pettiford, that is terrible. Um, have a great night, Sharita Hall. Uh, I'm almost done. I want to play something for you guys. Speaking of what I just said, in the same vein. 
apropos to my comments. Quick little 18-second video. This is Michelle Traconis. Um, in the interrogation. We think you have information. I'm going to love John, but I can want the whole world with you if you want. I can take you to like a place, like a motor place. I can walk, I can spend a month breathe, with you breathe, guys. I can breathe. do whatever you want, but I didn't do well, it. You know I didn't do it. Hmm. There's a lot to think about with that. Um, I didn't do it. I want to say thank you to all my channel members and all my channel subscribers. Please remember, guys, this weekend, Sunday, February 25th, is our live in-person, well, in the person over Google Meet. We have our live patron and YouTube channel member only meet and greet for everybody. Y'all get to talk to one another just like we are here in the chat, except there's no chat. We are all live together. It is a great time. In fact, I don't even say anything. Y'all just talk and it's, it's fabulous. Uh, but I want to say a big shout out to all my channel members, all my Patreon subscribers and supporters. Thank you so much. Without you guys, this program wouldn't be possible. I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. Thank you so much. You help keep the lights on. You help keep a roof over my head and content being created. And I greatly appreciate it. We, uh, uh, if you guys have the link for the discord, the discord link to join, uh, which is not there. This is the link in the chat to join our Discord server, which we have. It will be for members and non-members. So your different levels of access. So there will be a general access, which will have updates on the channel, which will have uh, the, the live sessions coming up, links to any videos uh, that are coming out, et cetera, et cetera. A little, a little preview on any news is coming out. But then all of the members' links where you guys can all interact together as channel members and on your member levels are all there as well. And um, we will be doing AV, Collier's AV Club, watch parties where we get to watch. First thing we're going to watch is my documentary. We're all going to sit and watch it together. It's going to be a lot of fun. Look for that in coming in March, guys. Coming in March, uh, a murder in Mansfield live screening on Discord with me uh, talking you through the whole situation and how it was made, sharing my pearls of wisdom. Um, Mover Nation, please, if you wouldn't mind, on your way out, please click the like. Please click the subscribe if you are. And if you are considering becoming a channel member, I would greatly appreciate it. And we will see you on uh, the live meet and greet this weekend on Sunday, February 25th, my birthday. Next Wednesday, February 28th, please come out. Uh, we will have a live on that day as well. We'll just be doing the normal thing, working here. But uh, I appreciate all of you. On that note, Mover Nation, we get through another one. Uh, I'm Collier Landry. I'll see you in the next one.